Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. back in the book of Galatians and we are continuing with our study of the fruit of the Spirit and so please take your Bibles and open up to Galatians chapter 5 and I want to just read a larger portion of scripture again today and we'll start reading in verse 16 so of chapter 5 so we can get the context of what we're talking about Galatians chapter 5 starting to read in verse 16 Now before we read, if there's any of the kids who want to follow along with the sermon, there are some notes in the back. If you want to teach your kids how to take notes during the service, there's a sheet at the back that could be helpful to you. All right. This is the Word of God. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The start of chapter 6. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest to you be tempted. Now as we come to study the next fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5 this morning, then it might be one that is potentially a little bit confusing to many of us. Because as we think about gentleness and what gentleness is, it can be easy to think that it is a, is a sort of kind of personality or something that is probably more natural to women than to men. Many cultures might even think that it's a kind of weakness. 
If you are gentle with others, you can be labeled as a softie. I mean, this was true in the Greek New Testament culture. Gentleness was seen as a weakness. Where if you rather want to be seen as someone that is strong, and you must be bold and tough, and you must be confident in yourself. And the reality is that culturally, we have all different ideas of what it means to be gentle. I mean, when I see an Afrikaans guy walking around with these short shorts, and these big calves, and these big muscles, and this long beard, the first thing I don't think about is gentleness. But actually, what we see in the Bible is that gentleness is a non-negotiable character quality, whether you're this big, staunch rugby player, or if you're just a sweet elderly lady. Because if we want to understand biblical gentleness, then we see that it describes Jesus and the way His Spirit creates fruit in the lives of His followers by transforming us more and more into His image. Now like all the other fruit we have studied so far, one way to understand gentleness is by considering the opposites. What comes to your mind when you think about the opposite of gentleness? Being arrogant, domineering, being harsh and tough with others in your words and in your actions. Someone that is violent and even greedy. In fact, when you look up the word for gentleness in, in a Greek lexicon, you will find a description that says, not being overly impressed by a sense of one's own self-importance. Which does sound accurate in describing the opposite of all these things we just said. But the thing is, even as we think of gentleness according to our own cultural ideas, many people do that with God as well. Because you look at the Old Testament, people think that God is someone that is pretty intense and tough. All this talk about judgment. All these examples of people being wiped out because of their sinfulness. And because maybe you have this idea in your mind that God is like this serious, intimidating judge, ready to pounce on you because of your disobedience, then that affects the way you approach Him when you have sinned. If I think that God is going to be tough with me when I have sinned against Him, then that will impact the kind of relationship I have with Him. And maybe your sense of guilt and your fear of punishment is causing you to avoid Him. But if you look at the Hebrew word, and the Hebrew root even for gentleness, then you find that it describes forbearance, humility, and love and kindness, or, or loving kindness. Which as you read the Old Testament, you see that is actually how God is described over and over and over again and dealing with sinful people. In fact, in Job 15.11, we see how Job's friend points out to him that the way God speaks to us is with a sense of consolation and gentleness. He asked Job, Are the comforts of God too small for you? Or the word that deals gently with you. 
Because as you look at the Old Testament, you see how God already prepares us to understand more of what He's like in getting us ready for Jesus to show us what true gentleness is. Isaiah 40 verse 11, you get this amazing picture of how Jesus would lead His people with gentleness. Isaiah says, He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. I mean, what a beautiful picture, right? God picks up His people. He holds them closely to Himself. And He gently carries them and cares for them, helping them, protecting them. And He does all of that gently. I mean, just a couple of chapters later in Isaiah again, we see how the prophet talks about this chosen servant that will come and what he will do and what he will be like. Specifically, Isaiah 42 verse 3, we see his gentleness again. It says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. I mean, think of a reed. This reed or the stick that is so damaged that if you are going to almost just touch it, you are at risk of completely breaking it. It is so damaged that it's barely holding together. Now Jesus knows exactly how to minister to someone like that because His gentleness is so helpful and so powerful. In other words, His gentleness has the power to help people who are hurting. Same with the wick that is almost going to stop burning. The power of Jesus' gentleness will not allow that fire to stop, but actually enables it to keep going and to combust, to be on fire once again. And that is because gentleness is not a weakness, but a fruit that is mighty, and strong. I mean, when, when we look at the gentleness of Jesus, we see that you can be bold as well as gentle. You can be assertive and sensitive. And the way we are gentle toward one another has this life-giving effect in the church and in the world around us. Because being gentle is not something you do by accident. It comes from within us at a heart level because of the spirit of gentleness that is at work in our lives. Which means it's not simply being laid back or just have this laid back relational style. Whether you are someone that's loud or someone that is more quiet or soft-spoken, male or female, someone that is powerful or powerless, every follower of Jesus should be gentle. And the good news for us is, we can learn to be gentle from Him. Because when we look at Jesus, we recognize how He puts other people in front of Himself. And what I want us to see today is that when we look at the gentleness of Jesus, we notice how it motivates us not only to confess our sin, knowing how God will receive us and relate to us, but also how to confront sin. 
Being able to restore others gently in how we relate to one another and to persevere in our relationships because of a spirit of gentleness that is common amongst us. And that is why the fruit of gentleness is so important. Because gentleness has the power to change lives. Instead of seeing it as something weak, we see in Jesus that it has the power to change lives. I mean, in the context of Galatians, gentleness stands in opposition to this list of the flesh that Paul mentioned in verses 19 to 21. Instead of all this fighting and and jealousy and anger and fleshly living, God calls His followers to be gentle toward one another, toward outsiders, because that is how He is with us. And so today I want us to consider the gentleness of Jesus and how that impacts our relationship with God and with each other. And what we're going to see is that firstly, the gentleness of Jesus helps us to confess our sin. The gentleness of Jesus helps us to confess our sin. Why? Because I know how God will receive me and my confession. Secondly, the gentleness of Jesus helps us to confront sin. Knowing how to be truthful and yet gentle when helping to restore others. And then thirdly, the gentleness of Jesus helps us to bear with one another or persevere in difficult relationships. So three key words, confessing, confronting, and persevering. So let's start by looking at the first one, how the gentleness of Jesus helps us to confess our sin. See, when we're growing spiritually, then we will recognize and understand better how God relates to us as we continue to struggle with our sin. In the book of Hebrews, the author makes time to explain how Jesus is this sympathetic high priest. And because being fully man and and fully God, He understands our weaknesses. I mean, the context of Hebrews chapter 4 explains what Jesus, our faithful high priest, does. But specifically... At the start of chapter 5, he explains how Jesus is able to be the middleman that helps to deal with the problem of our sin. And in chapter 5, it says that the role of a, of a priest or this middleman is that he makes the sacrifice for sin. And that is what Jesus did as our faithful high priest. He made the, the once for all sacrifice for our sin on the cross. And keeping that context in mind, the author then explains next that because Jesus is the ultimate faithful high priest, Hebrews 5.2 says, He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since He Himself is beset with weakness. Just like the priests in those days would make a sacrifice for sin on behalf of the people and for themselves, the priest would be able to be gentle with others because he knows his own weakness. Now Jesus knows our weakness. And so you read that and you ask yourself, how does God deal with the ignorant and the wayward? Does He just throw up His hands in the air and say, can you believe this person has sinned like this once again? What a fool! 
No, what we see in Jesus is that He moves towards those who are in sin and those who are suffering because He knows His gentleness will be able to change their lives. And so whether there's this accidental or intentional sin, we can know that Jesus deals with us gently as we come to Him to confess our sin. I mean, think of a child who's intimidated by their father. They know how their dad will respond if they tell them what they've done wrong. Most likely he will get very angry and, and shout at them and, and even physically hurt them and beat them. Which, if you think that's going to happen, makes sense why the child would not want to confess what they did wrong, right? The child will try to avoid their dad at all costs. Even if it was accidental or intentional. But here's what we can know for sure. That the Bible says, because Jesus is the ultimate middleman, He will deal with us as sinners gently. And so no matter how serious your sin is, you can bring that sin to Jesus and know that He will deal with you gently. Because the reality is, He already knows the full extent of what's going on in your heart. And He still moves towards us to deal with us gently. In the well-known book that I think we all just appreciate so much, Gentle and Lowly, Dane Ortland makes the observation and says, Looking inside ourselves, we can only anticipate the harshness from heaven. But when looking to Jesus, we can anticipate gentleness. And we get to experience that gentleness when the Spirit of God helps us not only to confess our sin, but believe that Jesus took care of that sin. To experience His patience with us. To experience His love toward us. To experience His grace towards us. Because Jesus understands our weakness. And because He understands our weakness, when we come to Him, He's not like this WWE wrestler that's going to stiff arm you and make you hit the floor. He's not going to tell you what a loser you are. Rather, it's because we know that He will deal with us gently, that we run to Him with our baggages, all our failure and our weakness. And when we do, He picks us up, He holds us to His chest, and He gently leads us back into the way of truth. That's what the psalmist does in Psalm 103, when he says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. And then you see this intimate picture again. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Which is like saying God knows everything about you. He knows what you're like. He knows our frame. He knows the good stuff. He knows the bad stuff. 
But He knows every area that we are weak. So we can take comfort knowing that like a father with his children, God shows us compassion. Because God is like, I'm gentle and I will carry you. I want to help you. Which means as we we think of our own lives, some of us must come to God and confess how we have been tough and not gentle with others. We have not been gentle with others in our words and our actions. Because instead of our words giving other people life, they bring all this destruction. Proverbs 15.4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. I mean, we've all seen that if you talk to someone in a harsh way, that you can break them. You can break them. You can push them away. But the opposite is also true. A gentle tongue is like a tree that gives life. Which means gentleness is not a weakness, but something that gives life. I mean, think of it in in terms of all this rain we've had lately. Rain is a good thing. But when there's all this heavy rain, there's all this massive flooding and damage everywhere. But gentle rain causes things to grow beautifully. In Deuteronomy 32, Moses describes the the picture of this from how his teachings from God are like the, the gentle rains that give life. He says, my, May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass, and like showers upon the herb. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, he says. And say, so here's what this means for me and you. That the gentleness of Jesus motivates us to confess our sin instead of trying to deal with it on our own. Because when we confess our sins, we know that the gentleness of Jesus will give us life. And instead of thinking that everyone will treat me different when they know what sin I struggle with, we are comforted to know how Jesus will deal with us. Because he already knows exactly what goes on in our hearts. And so I want to know, will you bring your sin to Jesus? Because the reality is, the Bible also tells us that, what will happen if you don't? If you are continuing to live in sin, and you don't think that it's a big deal, and if you are someone that is constantly harsh with others, then know that one day, Jesus will deal with you differently. Revelation 19:15 tells us what awaits those who do not come to Him to confess their sins to Him now. From His mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and He will rule them with a rod of iron. There is a time coming where the judgment of God will be upon those who reject Him now. And it's not going to be a gentle experience. And so as we think about the gentleness of Jesus, it motivates us to confess our sins to Him now. 
Knowing that He is the perfect high priest that not only intercedes for us before the Father, but who took the wrath of God on Himself. The judgment of God on Himself. So that we can experience His gentleness now. And as we recognize how gentle Jesus is with us, it helps us to be gentle with others. Because that brings us to number two. Secondly, that the gentleness of Jesus helps us to confront sin. Now often when we think about confronting other people who are in sin, then there can be this zeal for what is right and that can come across as being tough and hard on others instead of being gentle. I mean, think of Paul. Here in the book of Galatians, he's being pretty straightforward in what he thinks the problem is and what the consequences will be. Because if you think of the Apostle Paul, you might be tempted to think he's this, this guy that is ready to kick down the door and they're always ready to point out error and point people to the truth of the gospel. This is a guy that doesn't shrink back from confrontation and he was literally willing to put his body on the line. But when writing to the church in Thessalonica, he tells them that he and those with him, what they were like. He says, we were gentle among you. Like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous for you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become so very dear to us. And that is because Paul was looking to the gentleness of Jesus and it made him gentler toward other people. And his love for the truth gave him a greater love for people. A love for the truth gives you a greater love for other people. He became like a nursing mother that intimately and gently cares for her children. And so... There's this balance that we see in the Bible and Jesus and others like Paul where we're imitating Jesus. Because when we understand the gentleness of Jesus, it helps us to know how to confront sin. Because of the impact that that gentle approach will have in someone's life. I mean, just a few verses later, we read it. At the start of Galatians chapter 6, Paul says to the church, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, I mean, you who are filled with the, with the fruit of the Spirit, right? Should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Because if you have the Spirit of God at work in your life, you will be able to restore someone that is stuck in sin and do it in a way that is consistent with the gentleness of Jesus. Your gentle approach will be part of what God uses to help the one stuck in sin find freedom from that sin. And that is coming alongside someone and gently helping them see that what they are doing is not honoring to God. Because the reality is we want the, we want the gentleness of Jesus for ourselves, but we fail to be gentle with other people when trying to help them with their own sin and weaknesses. I mean, in John's Gospel, we notice how Jesus was busy teaching. This is John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. And while Jesus was teaching, the Pharisees brought in this woman who had been caught in 
for being unfaithful to her husband. And so what do the Pharisees think they should do? John 8 verse 5 says, Now in the law Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. I mean, pick up a rock and throw it at this woman. And so these guys, full of pride and feeling all self-righteous, who want to put Jesus to the test, think that when someone is stuck in sin, it's pretty simple. You must just stone them. But how does Jesus respond? Jesus says, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Jesus is responding with gentleness toward this woman in this moment because He was showing everyone else that they were also sinners that deserved the same judgment as well. And the Pharisees, they didn't have an answer to this. They couldn't make sense of what Jesus was saying, so they started to leave one by one. And then finally Jesus is alone with this woman. And then He says to her in verse 10, Woman, where are they? He asks. Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on sin no more. Jesus knew what was going on in her heart. He wasn't harsh and tough with her. I mean, He wasn't even harsh to the Pharisees in this moment. It gives the example of being gentle when helping us all recognize how sinful we are. Because as we see in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 in the teaching of Jesus, He says that it is the meek that will inherit the earth. Meek is another word that describes gentleness. In other words, as you read the Beatitudes, it is the poor in spirit who will know their need for grace. Because when they take that poverty to God, He gives them His kingdom. It is also the the poor in spirit who mourn over their sinfulness. And when we mourn our sin, we recognize our weakness and we become gentler. Because a proud person struggles to be gentle. A self-righteous legalist struggles to be gentle with others. Because the more we are aware of our own sin, the less we want to think we are better than others and demand our own ways. And all of that helps us to become gentler when helping others deal with their sin. Which means when we are confronting sin, you know what it requires? It requires gospel-producing humility. It requires stooping down like Jesus did. Because when we get off our high horses, then we will be able to confront others in gentleness. As another man says, Jesus at times was forceful, even confrontational, yet gentle because he used his powers for the good of others. Which means those of you who are spiritual, who recognize how gentle Jesus is with you and your sin, you will be able to help someone else who's stuck in a gentle way as well. I mean, this is really important as we look at the rest of the New Testament. Paul writes to Timothy about what this should look like in the context of ministry. And he says in 2 Timothy 2.24, And the Lord's servant 
must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with what? With gentleness. God wants leaders of the church to be able to defend the truth of the gospel, but He wants it to be done in a way where you avoid fighting with others, but rather you are kind to everyone. You're a leader that's able to teach. You must be able to be patiently enduring evil and then correct the opponent with gentleness. So someone that is not harsh or sarcastic in how he confronts sin. He is someone that understands where this person is coming from and then comes alongside them to help them see the truth. Because Paul gives us the reason why this is so important. The next verse, continuing in 2 Timothy 2.25, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So does God say you should be shouting at other people when they are stuck in sin and error? Does he say we should just whack them over the head so they can get it? Now God wants us to lead others gently like he leads us. Because it's possible to be truthful and be gentle as well. It's possible to be truthful and gentle as well. And that is what we all want. That is what we all want because we all would rather want someone to be gentle with us rather than being harsh and tough. That is why Paul asked the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4.21, he says, What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Because the reality is sometimes people do need the rod. I mean, it's like a child who persists in sin, who needs the, the rod of discipline. So does people who don't want to confess their sin and, and don't want to turn to God, do they need discipline? Yes. And the thing is, God gave us this beautiful process in, in the church, this, this thing called church discipline in the Bible, and we've talked about this. Which is in fact this gentle approach in helping someone who is stuck in sin. Because you go, you talk to the person first. Alone. And if they don't listen, you take someone else with you. And together as you talk with this person, you gently try to help them see what they are doing and how this is not honoring to God. And if they still don't listen, you bring it before the church and a church that is to, a church that is to be mature enough that they work together to be gentle agents of Jesus that will help overwhelm the person stuck in sin with so much love and kindness and gentleness that they repent of their sin. And the problem is that often the person who is stuck in sin, who is going through this kind of process, doesn't think the church is being gentle with them. But that is because they are rejecting the truth. But as we keep looking at the gentleness of Jesus, it helps us know how to confront sin with the spirit of gentleness because that approach has the power to help someone turn from their sin. And that is why we must rely on the Holy Spirit to help us. 
And Spurgeon, he said it so well. And I quote him now. He says, The Holy Spirit is good benevolently. He forbears with our waywardness, striving with our rebellious wills, reviving us from our death in sin, and training us for eternity as a loving nurse nurtures a child. How generous, forgiving, and tender is the patient Spirit of God. And so as we continue to see how gentle and patient and loving Jesus is with us, then we are able to be gentler with others. Which now comes to our final point. The gentleness of Jesus helps us to confess our sin and helps us to confront sin. And now finally, the gentleness of Jesus helps us to persevere with one another. Persevere with one another. Because that's the reality. All of us in this room, we are all sinners, right? We are all sinners. And because we are all sinners, we need to be able to relate to each other in a way we, we, we persevere or bear with one another while we are still in the process of changing. Because even as we think about the fruit of gentleness, we see that it has this community focus. It is a fruit that impacts our relationships in the church and with those outside the church. That's what Paul talks about in Ephesians 4 verse 1, where he says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility. Because guess what? If you have humility, there comes gentleness, and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager that kind of gentleness makes you eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. In other words, the, the way we are walking in the Spirit and, and the manner worthy of the Gospel is related to the way we are unified as the people of God. And the way we bear with one another in love. And the, Paul says the way you bear with each other is with all humility, gentleness, and patience. Because again, we're all in the process of becoming more like Jesus. But the way we help each other grow is by being gentle towards one another. So if someone is recognizing they need to grow in a certain area of their life, then we gently endear with that person, knowing that they are not going to change and be perfect overnight. It's a process. I mean, the same is true in marriage, right? Think of marriage. If I tell my wife that I realize that I am someone that needs to help more around the house, then my wife needs to be patient with me as I seek to change. In fact, her gentleness with me will motivate me to keep changing more. Rather than have a kind of marriage where we fight with each other all the time, because we don't do the things we expect the other person to do. I mean, this is especially true in the context of a marriage where the one spouse is not a believer. Because not only does gentleness have the power to help us in the church, it has the power to help you be a testimony to unbelievers. 1 Peter 3. God says to us, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word... 
they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your what? Respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair and putting on of gold jewelry and the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty. You get that? The imperishable, cannot be destroyed beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. You know what that means? There is a thing like silent evangelism. A gentle and quiet spirit in the context of a harsh marriage has the power to transform the unbelieving spouse. Instead of fighting back and quarreling with each other, your humility and gentleness and walk in the truth of the gospel can change someone's life. Because to God, that is what makes you beautiful. Gentleness is not only strong, but it is something beautiful. But that is our challenge, right? Because how attractive is gentleness to you when others are fighting with you in the moment? When others abuse you? When people slander you? How can we be gentle in moments like those? I think that is why James says we need real wisdom. James asked the question, James 3 verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works and the meekness or gentleness of wisdom. In other words, when we have the right attitude of being humble and teachable, then God gives us the wisdom, the kind of wisdom that is meek and gentle, knowing how to deal with people who sin against us. Because now as you look at your life, what do you see? Someone that is humble and gentle? Or someone that is proud and tough with other people? We know, the Bible says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. But the funny thing is, which is sad, we still try and use that approach over and over and over again. Expecting a different result. So please, look at your life. Have you ever lost your temper with someone, shouted at them, quarreled with them, wanted, wanted to beat them, and that has produced a calm, nurturing, gentle environment in the, in the home, in the workplace? And the family. God says the person who is filled with my spirit will be someone that can relate with the believer and the unbeliever with gentleness instead of anger. Because that is how Jesus is with us. Because the gentleness of Jesus makes us confessing people. Knowing that Jesus will be gentle with us. It makes us confronting people. Not because we think we know best or that we are better than others, but because we know how weak and sinful we are ourselves, that we know the truth of our own weakness. And therefore, it helps us to be gentler with others as we confront them. To make us people who persevere with 
another in gentleness because that not only builds up the body in unity, but it also helps us to persevere when life is hard and relationships are hard. And all of this is because gentleness is not a weakness. It has the power to transform lives and it has the power to transform this church and our community. And as the Spirit, the gentle Spirit of Jesus fills our lives, it causes us to long more for Him every single day. It causes us to to long for His warm embrace. Especially when we have messed up again. And the Spirit takes the gentleness of Jesus and it helps us to know that intimacy when we come to Jesus with all our failings. But here's the question. Will you come? Will you come? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father God, that Holy Spirit, that we can slow down and think about the gentle approach you have towards sinners like us. Father, I think most, if not all of us, can confess how sinfully angry we get and how harsh and tough we get with other people, how prideful we can be. I thank you for showing us the absolute gentleness of Jesus. The one who took the full wrath of our judgment that we deserve on himself. And yet even in his moments of dying, he shows us true gentleness. Father, we don't deserve this kind of mercy. So help us, Lord. Help us to be the kind of people filled with your Spirit who who not only are quick to confess our sin, the kind of people who, because knowing our own weakness, knowing how gentle you are with us, go to lovingly confront others and come alongside them. And so when we think confront, we, we think come alongside, help, nurture, carry, walk, gently lead them back into your truth. Help us to persevere in our relationships with gentleness. Help us to turn from our harshness and bring it to the cross. Help us to turn from our pride and bring it to the cross. Knowing that you fully paid for that sin. Thank you that gentleness is not a weakness, but an absolute power to transform lives. Thank you that your gentleness has transformed our lives. As a Father, we ask that through your Spirit, your benevolent Spirit, you would make us a gentle people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.